This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Open for Business is powered by Bosbole.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9, good morning. I'm Roshan Kanesan and welcome to Open for Business. In a world where sustainability and environmental consciousness are becoming increasingly more important to consumers, Origo Eco has stepped into the market to solve one particular problem, or at least initially one particular problem, that was plastic straws. In just three years, they've sold over 21 million of their rice straws and their customers include companies such as Coffee Bean, Park Royal Penang, Wonder Boom and 8-ounce Coffee. That said, it looks like rice straws were just the beginning, with other compostable products on their catalogue as well, including plates, bowls and cups. Uh, basically everything you would need in a grab food order, basically. Today on Open for Business, you will learn about their journey from idea to producing 1.5 million rice straws a day, the traction and revenue growth this business has seen over the last five years, and what lies ahead. And having this, I'm having this conversation today with Su Xiaoyin. She's the co-founder of Origo Eco, one of them. Uh, Su, welcome. Welcome to the show. Hi, morning, Roshan. How was traffic today? I heard uh, it was a bit rough on the way here. <laughs> yes, a little bit, as usual, Malaysian traffic. <laughs> <laughs> a bit unpredictable now, post-pandemic, yes. but um, you know that's where Waze is supposed to help us, right? It does, it does. <laughs> um, but you know what else has changed post-pandemic? I think the use of the single-use single the use of single-use plastics yes. because of food delivery and all these different things, which is where. Your company is stepping into the fray and because I feel very guilty every time I get uh, uh, food delivery, right? It's so convenient now. Yes. But all this plastic packaging, there's only very so much true. you can recycle. So single-use plastics and disposable takeaway packages were a problem before the pandemic. They've become a bigger problem now. Yep. Uh, talk to us about what led you and your co-founders uh, down this path. What is the origin story and the motivations that led to the establishment of Origo Eco? Yes, so it all dated back when uh, Malaysia announced its policy of no plastic straws, right? And uh, my co-founders, uh, YT and John, they come from engineering, machinery, customization background. Right, so there was definitely an opportunity for them to make use of their engineering background, formulation, and the processing to come up with a solution. Right, so that's why a lot of extensive R and D was uh, put in place together, even with uh, some researchers from the food tech, uh, I would say, industry, mm -hmm. to come up with some formulation to solve this plastic straw problem. Right, of course, we had a lot of uh, paper straws that came about. Mm -hmm. And I think it was a bane of life, our existence. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone I spoke to, irregardless of where they're from, whether they're from the States, from South Africa, they would just condemn paper straws, right? So it was a good temporary solution, but we needed a real permanent solution. And that's why we came up with rice straws, where they're 100% natural, edible, and it is compostable. The keyword is compostable. So if you need to hit my carb bowls for the day, I can eat your straws. Yes, yes. So if you're hungry at any point of time, you actually have a bowl of your uh, uh, sambal, just chicha our rice straws in, and there you go. Gluten-free. Oh, man. Uh, uh, but so I have to ask, why rice? What was what? What is it about rice that made them the key ingredient for your production here? So my two co-founders, they are based in Penang. So if you talk about Penang, um, the biggest plantation you can find over there is actually rice, very right. close to Kedah. Yes. Right. If you talk about palm oil and all those, they are mainly based in the central region of Malaysia and southern. Right. But if it's northern, that's mainly rice. And rice, we have a lot of uh, byproduct and waste. Husk and the broken rice is their pipe product as well. Okay. Right. So a lot of people might question, hey, broken rice, can't those be eaten? Yes, they can. But uh, there's a stipulation that we can't put in 
X amount of broken rice in our packaging. Imagine when you open up your rice package and 99% of them are broken rice. They'll be suing this uh, particular company, right? That's one of the reasons. And also, a lot of uh, broken rice will not be sold to any, um, I would say, food producers. They would rather buy brand new rice, whole rice, to make, like, for example, their kuei tiao, yeah, even the rice flour, because they can gauge the uh, production of it. Whereas broken rice, you get uh, a certain percentage, there's an average, about 20% maybe, yeah, but you, you don't always get that kind of a consistency. So they prefer consistency, hence they always go with the whole rice, right? So then broken rice becomes like a byproduct where we see, hey, we can make do with this, right? And that's how we use rice to made it into rice straws. So broken rice and rice husks are enough for you to do your supply, to uh, enough supplies for you? Yes. Uh, what we have in Malaysia for now to cover whole of Malaysia, definitely more than enough, Right. And our, okay, maybe we'll speak about the dreams later, but we are, we are not just going to be in Malaysia, right? So we even consider like carbon footprint when we mm. do the logistic and all those. But for Malaysia market, definitely more than enough. And, you know, obviously, so I have to ask, you know, we were listening to the news bulletin earlier. Yeah. Rice is becoming a bit of yes. a, a key topic given the supply yes. constraints here. Correct. How has that impacted your business? The um, raw material price has increased easily by about 30%. It does affect us, but we're trying our very best to see how we can manage it because I do understand it's tough for businesses right now, even for consumers, right? Mm. So let's see what we can do. Let's see what we can so do. So give us a comparison here, right? So the alternative is paper straws or I, I don't know, some places still have plastic straws for some yes, reason. Yes, plenty. Um, Give us a price comparison per straw here between what you're selling versus the competition out there. So paper straw, uh, plastic straws, plastic is the most magical invention mankind mm. has come up with. Seriously, yes, solved a lot. Yes, it, it solves a lot of problems. A lot of areas will definitely need to use plastic for sure. Mm-hmm. Right, I'm not saying that no plastic at all, but for a straw that you use probably for I don't know 15 minutes, mm-hmm. and then it's going to occupy the landfill for like 1,000 years. Yeah. The ratio is just not very right, okay? So then you've got paper straws, which is about, I think, about three to four times more expensive than plastic straws, Mm -hmm. right? And with our current capacity, we're probably one to two cents more than paper straws. But as we scale up, we can actually match the paper straw price. All right. So you're still looking at three to four times more expensive than plastic straws in the long term. At least, yeah. So... you've But you have customers. You've sold 21 million straws over the last three years. Um, Tell us a bit about how that the initial stages of getting customer buy-in, how, did, how was that done? Because this is a B2B business, correct, so that correct. relationship element would have been important. Yes, um, strictly B2B because do you buy straws and keep at home? <laughs> no. I'll buy one metal straw. Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we would actually buy metal straws and keep and reuse, which is a good practice, frankly, right? So um, when it comes to talking to businesses, of course, when you talk about three years ago, it was way tougher than what we have now. Even now, it is not easy. I think three years ago when Malaysia first launched the ban on plastic straws, it, mm. it did help. Okay. Everyone started scrambling around. What am I going to use? What other alternatives are there? Right? So it was actually a good uh, uh, opening for us to get in. However, after pandemic, uh, Malaysian government is very kind. So they are not doing any, uh, they're not leashing out any pe- um, penalty mm. or punishment. They're putting on hold because they understand businesses are, are, are suffering a little bit. Yeah. So it actually became a bit tougher because um, right now you see plastic straws everywhere as compared to before. Right. So right now it's tougher, but um, because of ESG compliance, it will slowly find its way into Malaysia, even though we are still a little bit backward in terms of the awareness. But that time will come when they understand why they need to really move from plastic straws to something that is actually really environment friendly. 
Now, let's take a step back here um, and talk a little bit about the how the personal backgrounds and prior experiences of yourself and your co-founders. So you have a more business role in the entity. You two co-founders, more technical, more operations. Uh, tell us a bit how about how all this came, like the synergies of your yeah. particular skill sets and how this came to building this company. Yeah, so my two co-founders are the most brilliant, right? To be able to come up with this formulation, count me out of it. I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't be the one. Okay, so of course, formulation, process, and not only that, our machines are all customized. Mm. You're not going to buy off-the-shelf machine from, I don't know, Alibaba or somewhere to be able to do what we have in our current factory, right? So all this background and expertise of theirs would definitely, definitely have helped to set up the whole factory to ensure that they run smoothly and properly, right? And uh, when it comes to a certain scale, that's when uh, all this impact measurement, the social part of it, and the sustainability side will have to kick in. Because at the end of the day, when we talk about um, impact businesses, we really got to be very clear about what kind of uh, impact we're trying to create and what problems we're solving. Now, clearly, this was not a straightforward situation yeah. when you're building this up. You had machinery, you had to scale up, you had there was an R&D process here. Yes. So talk to us about the journey here from an idea to scaling up to produce 1.5 million rice straws a day. Uh, what has that journey been like, especially the early days? So it's not scaling up to 1.5 million. It's actually downsizing. So 1.5 million now, but it could be more than that. So before pandemic, we actually received a lot of requests for the straws because we went to international exhibitions and the response was really, really, really good. Wow. Right. So that's why I said when, it got, when we come to the international scene, the awareness of no plastic straws is massive compared mm. to the Southeast Asian region. And, and that's pretty normal. Right. So with that kind of uh, interest, um, the factory was actually even bigger than what we have right now. Unfortunately, a pandemic hit and that's where we had to downsize to what we have right now of uh, 1.5 billion pieces straws. What is your total capacity then for per day? Uh, back then, it was easily about three to four times higher. Mm. Yeah. But now it's 1.5? Correct, correct. Okay. Right now it's so, yeah, so talk to us about the early days then. You know, how did this, you know, these, uh, your diff- how did you guys come together? Uh, how was the R&D done and how mm. did you com- take this from idea to commercial product? Right. So um, when the ban first started, was announced, uh, that's when uh, YT started thinking, okay, what can be used, mm. right, to make it really, really compostable? We didn't want like, an altern- uh, like a temporary solution, like I've highlighted. Mm-hmm. Temporary means, yes, it's not plastic, but <laughs> it still causes harm to us and to earth, mm-hmm. right? So I call that, uh, those as temporary solutions. So in that process, we also engage with uh, food tech tech scientists who have this kind of experience together with YT's IT and engineering background and they did a little bit of R&D and right now R&D is still a big piece in our uh, business constantly improving the formulation and coming up with new products so the R&D I think it took probably about typically 3 to 12 months to come up with a prototype Right, and with the prototype, of course, the testing will be done, and everything seems okay. And that's when the machine customization would then really come in to make sure it can scale up to a certain extent. What was the most challenging thing among all of this? Right, in the last five years of this company, uh, granted, of course, the pandemic would have been quite challenging. Yeah. But when you were building this up as founders, uh, trying this new thing, what was the most challenging part? Mm, um, to be to be frank, I actually joined a bit later. That's mm-hmm. why I'm actually a co-founder. Right, but I do hear a lot of stories from uh, the, the fellow two founders, right? I'm sure, yeah. Yes. So, War stories. <laughs> yeah. So, of course, challenging part is how do we 
convince businesses to sell. Mm. Yeah, like for example, uh, um, uh, YT will always share when uh, in Penang because our factory is in Penang. He would bring the straws to all the kopitiams in Penang, right? And they, they would tell he would tell the owners, "Hey, we've got these rice straws. You know, a replacement to your plastic straws." Um, and the kopitiam auntie and uncle will have the same answer. Yeah, but I don't think I need to change my plastic straw. Hey, but the uh, government has announced. Yeah, but if they really wanted to take effect, they would have closed down all the plastic straw manufacturers. Why didn't they close them down? If they, mm. don't, if they don't close down these manufacturers, which means I will still be able to buy the straws and it's not illegal to buy the straws. They've got a point. Yeah. Right? So the toughest one is actually to educate local businesses to order the straws and as to why it's so crucial to replace how was all this funded, right? This initial journey of yours? Um, we've got a very good um, group of angel investors who really believed in it, right? And they've funded us since day one up till now. How much funding are we talking about so far? So from day one till now, uh, seven million. Wow. And uh, I know you got some new investors. We'll get into all that a little yeah. later and the funds you're looking to raise as you continue to grow this story here. Folks, I've been speaking with Sue Xiaoyan. She's the co-founder of Origo Eco, the makers of compostable single-use pl- packaging alternative products such as rice straws. I'm Roshan Kanesan. You're listening to Open for Business. We'll be back in just a bit. So keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Open for Business will reopen in a few moments. Powered by BossBully.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Bringing fresh meaning. BFM 89.9 Open for Business is powered by BossBully.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kanesan and this morning I've been speaking with Su Xiaoyan. She's the co-founder of Origo Eco, the makers of rice straws. So, uh, Su, rice straws are seemingly just the beginning of what looks to be a much right. larger compostable products uh, journey here. Plates, bowls, cups, and as you mentioned to me earlier, uh, pallets as well for yep. shipping. So, we're not just talking about utensils here, but That's something right. much larger. So at the at the bottom line of all this, is the unique selling point here for investors and business uh, for investors out there basically the fact the technology of turning byproducts into compostable products? Yes, that's right. So um, the journey, of course, started off with one product, mm-hmm. which is rice straws. As the company developed further, evolved further, and we realized that, hey, we've got the technology to convert agriculture waste or byproduct into 100% compostable materials, Mm -hmm. right? So this material can be used for various different kinds of things. It it can be turned into your plates, it can be turned into your bowls, it can be made into pallets, right? We we have received requests to to study different kinds of agriculture waste, for example, uh, oat hull, uh, um, palm waste, not palm fiber, not the palm oil, but palm, mm-hmm. right? Even durian husk, mm-hmm. right? So we can study that on that end. We can also study on the other end of what kind of products should be replaced, products that are causing harm to us and to, to the environment. So your ability to take uh, the byproducts of other plantations and make them into materials that can be used in other ways yes. is the, the selling point here. That's it's, right. That's what uh, your company is trying to do. Um there, I've noticed though that there's uh, when I look at your product catalog, you started obviously with rice straws. Yes. The rest of your utensil uh, catalog is all rebranded as this O series Correct. here. So tell us a little bit about the differentiation in this branding mm. and what this tells us about the future of Origo Eco. 
Right. So like I shared, when it started off with rice straws, of course, we can't stop at only one product, mm. right? So then we started exploring and experimenting with more. And that's when we realized there's a whole series of all these cutlery range that we can replace. And that's why instead of calling them like rice plates and rice, all those, we also realized we can also use different kinds of agriculture waste and byproduct. Mm-hmm. If I were to call it as rice plates, then I can only make use of probably uh, broken rice or rice husk. That's why then we change it to actually um, O series, right? Probably inspired by the car series, you know. <laughs> <laughs> probably, yeah. So what's next then? What? So of course, uh, we were initially looking to do all this cutlery range for the FMB and all these uh, packaging items, but an opportunity came knocking on our door to actually help the logistic industry mm. to solve their carbon footprint and all these be problems. Some big business there. Yes, yes. And and um, it actually happened through DHL, right? And we're like, okay, of course, we'll jump to it. It's DHL. Who would say no to DHL, right? And they also have an ESG mandate, so that helps <laughs> yes, a lot, I presume. Exactly. Right. So uh, out of the four um, pain points that they have, we could help them solve the pallet problem. And that's why we started again our R and D on what can we use for the uh, pallets. Right. And of course, the key criteria, it's always 100% compostable, toxin-free, and a quick composting plus price point. These are the four key factors that are non-negotiable for us. What does this say about the utensil business then? So we, we already have the formulation and process finalized, mm-hmm. but because we need to set up the facility for that if we were to embark on it. Mm-hmm. However, we did not receive like a pushing and pressing demand for that. Right, because we're talking about FMB, where the order is scattered, pretty yeah. scattered. You're not going to get one big organization or FMB to say, "Hey, I would love to have like two million pairs of chopsticks." You know, they're, they're not going to come in with this kind of order volume. Whereas for the, the logistic pallets, different. Mm-hmm. It's going to be recurring, and and from there we will able we will be able to set up the facility to manage that kind of production. So does that mean that that was that's going to be your primary focus going yes, forward? Yes, yes. At least for the uh, early next year onwards, mm. we'll be focusing on the logistic pallet, but. But I'm not saying we're putting aside the cutlery because if you talk about impact, um, of course, the plastic packaging, utensils, that's the one that are polluting the earth most of the time. Mm-hmm. So we will definitely come back to this. Yeah, but I guess, you know, addressing something like pallets is a much larger yes. uh, way to do so because, I mean, plastic straws are very consumer centric. Correct. But maybe the impact isn't as big as the shipping industry, for example. That's right. Uh, plus, Companies like DHL and Co. and all these other shipping companies which are listed and maybe from the West have bigger ESG mandates. Correct. So has the utensil business basically acted as this proof of concept, Mm. whether consciously or unconsciously, to the larger world to show that, hey, this is what we can do. Mm. Uh, Talk to us about what else we can do for you. True. I mean, when you... When you mention that, it actually kind of looked that way, right? So yeah. yeah. So which means if somehow pivoted from a product-based kind of a company to hey, the technology to really look at various kinds of waste and convert into different kinds of products. Yeah. So now a big part of all this is this environmental sustainability angle here. Uh, but as business expands, as you scale, things get more difficult to keep mm. to your original promise and premise, right? Mm. So what? Uh, how are you? How is Origo Eco planning to maintain best practices? Uh, what strategies are in place to help make sure that you ensure the high standards that you started with? So when you talk about products, I think it's very easy. Why? Because the consumers or the customers will be the one that will be hammering to us, mm. hey, this is not up to par, this is not mm-hmm. up to standard. Just imagine a pallet. If you were to send it to uh, any logistic company and it doesn't fit into their requirements, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, it's a no-go for sure. So in terms of the 
best standard and best qualities of a product, I'm not concerned, right? And in terms of our impact and our uh, um, impact mainly, we're also starting our impact study, mm-hmm. right? Starting to measure all this. So at least we are very, very aligned that, hey, even though we're trying to solve a, a, a sustainability problem, we got to make sure that our uh, impact is there. Right. And in terms of supplies to make sure that your environmental standards are met, mm-hmm. uh, uh, where we are, how are you currently getting your, because you're looking at other things as well, right? So are you going to be doing long-term partnerships here or are you getting supplies where you can at this point? So for now, definitely only Malaysia because it doesn't make sense for me to ship or import from somewhere else. Mm. But we are going to set up facilities all around the world to tackle different kinds of agriculture waste and to uplift different com- uh, communities in different areas. Would it be correct to assume that this would be localized facilities so to minimize yes. the carbon footprint as well? Correct, correct. That's All right. right. Um, so we've got more to get into, particularly the numbers, which is uh, generally my favorite part of this show, uh, which we will get into sure. after the 10.30am news bulletin. Folks, I've been speaking with Sue from Origo Eco, the makers of rice straws, and they're looking at much more than that going forward. Up next, we'll talk about revenue, growth and funding. I'm Roshan Kandison. You're listening to Open for Business. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Open for Business will reopen in a few moments. Powered by Bosspoly.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Be free-minded. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Open for Business is powered by Bosspoly.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9, welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kanesan and this morning I've been speaking with Susia Yen. She's the co-founder of Origo Eco, the makers of rice straws and now much, much more. Um, so we've gotten a sense for the story around yep. this company, Origo Eco's yes. starting using rice and un- indirectly kind of using utensils as a, uh, as a proof of concept Correct. for much larger ambitions. But let's get a sense for the financial side of things. Um, can you give us a sense of where Origo Eco is in terms of revenue generation today on an annual basis? So we are moving from um, six figure. Mm-hmm. Um, next year, we're going to target seven figures. And this is on the back of moving to more shipping-based businesses? Correct, correct. Yes, uh, right. So that's where we are. And um, I think next we'll talk about the fundraising as to how yes. that's going to happen. Correct, yes. correct. Um, <laughs> and what's the growth rate been like? So you were at six figures when you were just focusing on the consumer side and presume yes. the pandemic was not a great time either. It was really, so really bad. a bit choppy the last few years, but Correct. what's the general sense of growth over the last so few years? So on year on year, we're looking at probably about 30%, 20 to 30%, right? Yeah. So next year, you're looking to go from graduate from six figures to seven Correct. figures. Uh, you're going to raise funds to do so. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but what are the primary strategies that uh, Origo Eco is going to be engaging in to drive revenue growth in the next few years? I mean, a pallet is one, but correct, what else are you looking correct. at? So definitely we can, we'll continue growing the rice straw side of it, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we'll also start to explore the O-series to have a few of the products out uh, by having the machine in. Mm-hmm. So utensils are still in the game? Definitely, definitely. Because in terms of uh, quantity, right? Like like p- number of pieces or pairs or whatnot, it, they are definitely way bigger than pallets. Mm-hmm. But it's just that pallets, the demand is very pressing because these are, we're talking about big companies that causes a lot of carbon emission and they really need to solve that problem, right? Yeah. Um, 
Aside the pallets, are you guys looking at any other products uh, in the pipeline or is the focus now on pallets uh, for now? So the good thing about our pallet is that that raw material can be used to be made into furniture and even construction materials. Hmm. So it opens up, it's like a branch, right? We've got first our rice straw that branches out to the old series, right? And then with this uh, pallet, it opens up another branch where you can use it for construction materials, MDF boards, uh, wood panels, these can all be converted into compostable ones. So there's a lot of optionality here. It's really just about whether the product velocity can keep up with what you can produce out there. Correct, correct. Um, And in the longer term, uh, if you had to put a number to it, where do you see utensils as a proportion of business? Is it going Mm. to be like 30% of business or smaller than that as you look at other things? Yeah, it will. I believe the growth rate for utensils will be slower mm. because at the end of the day, FMB businesses they are not a, a big corporation. Not as sensitive to these kind of things. Exactly. So there is no huge regulation to really force them to uh, definitely replace all this. It is there slowly, but um, usually local governments are a bit more a bit kinder to these businesses. Now, obviously, another way to go and grow is to be more aggressive with your customer acquisition. What can you tell us about uh, strategies in there? Um, For our rice straws and our old series, we've been getting a lot of inquiries from international. This is due to our presence in lots of hotels in Mm. Malaysia. So a lot of tourists will actually test out the straws and they'll bring the wrapper back to the country (laughs) and they'll start googling, hey, who are these people who manufactured this, you know? And that's how they would find us. So it's been a very good uh, um, customer acquisition in that manner, Mm -hmm. right? As for the pallets, we are working closely with DHL and a lot of all these logistic players who are just demanding more and more of this. So I guess um, the channel will be a bit different where yeah. there'll be more collaborations with big corporate companies to see how we can roll it out. Because even they, them as a logistic company would want their customers to take it on. So the model is slightly different. Um, to fund all this growth, you have, I think you're in the talks to raise some money or you have already raised some money from a few VCs as well. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So like I shared, uh, we started off uh, with our angels yeah. who have been supporting us since day one. And right now we are doing our ECF fundraising. Um, we're looking to raise a maximum of 6 million ringgit. Uh, we've already closed 865,000. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we'll go live probably with this minimum amount closed. Uh this is actually a very good opportunity for any retail investors who really want to contribute to Earth, right? Mm-hmm. And besides sorting rubbish and all those, maybe you feel like, <laughs> oh, you know what? It's a bit tiring. It's a bit difficult. Yeah, why not just be part of Origo's journey? And this is how you can really see with that money, we're setting up Malaysia's first ever compostable and wood-free pallet facility. Outside of the ECF, are you looking at you know early stage funds, VCs perhaps, anything like that? Anything you can share with us? Yeah, so I'm definitely always in the talks with them, mm-hmm. um, mainly international VCs because they're actually more well-versed in the sustainability and impact side, right? The talks will always be there because it's good to always keep them abreast of what's happening over here. Plus, I'm pretty sure you classify as green tech for them. So it's a yes. good avenue for them Correct. to put their ESG funds to work and those sort of things. That's How right. much money do you need to... So you're trying to raise a max of $6 million yes. in your ECF round right now. Is that going to be enough to take you to the next stage in the shipping venture or are you going to need to raise more after that? Yeah, so this $6 million will only allow us to buy four machines. Okay. Okay, four machines will produce probably about 24,000 pieces of pallets per month. It's not a lot. Okay. So okay, it's... just give you a context. Um, we have received a letter of interest for 100,000 pieces. So 
obviously 24,000 is not enough. 100,000 pieces a month? Yes. Okay, so right. yeah, definitely not enough. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but we're just starting it small first because mm. again, we're talking about Malaysia market, right? Mentality and awareness. It's still probably at a nascent stage. So four, pa- uh, four machines first and definitely there'll be another round after that. Now, obviously, when you raise money, um, before this, growth at all costs was no problem. You know, money was cheap and free and all of that jazz. Now, there's this balance to maintain between, yes, we want you to grow, but we want a sense of profitability, of a pathway to profitability. Uh, could you shed some light on that, on Origo Eco's pathway to profitability? Yeah, so it is not free money and cheap. Okay, no, no, our, yeah. our angels are always pressing on profitability. <laughs> you should know when it comes to Malaysian businesses, one plus point I always tell our international VCs, you will always see that we are always driving towards profitability. This is something I've heard from multiple VCs as yes. well. Yes, yeah. Malaysian businesses are well known for that. Why? Because of the angels' pressure. And mm. for us, profitability is number one. It's not revenue-based, mm-hmm. right? So that's why um, we are always driving towards profitability. And to get towards there, the reason why we're having four machines is because with four machines and the max uh, capacity of 24,000, we can already break even. Mm-hmm. That's the reason why we chose four machines. So the... It's not a matter of like, let's do as much supply as we can right now. Just let's match it and yes. then grow from there. Exactly, exactly. Um, timeline to profitability, anything you can share on that? So the moment I hit 24,000 pieces per mm-hmm. month with my new factory, we're good. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, could you give us a sense for the margins of this business? Maybe give us a sense for the top line, the gross margins essentially. Yeah, yeah. So um, rice straws, um, gross Right now, probably about 30, 30 plus. Mm-hmm. Um, with the increase in volume and capacity, it can grow higher. Yeah, yeah, but is that also including the increase in rice prices as well? Um, that we have not factored in, okay. frankly, because currently the rice, uh, the broken rice price has gone up, mm-hmm. but we are seeing that maybe it will drop a little bit. Yeah. And once you move over to the pallets as well, I expect that it's you a will see your gross, gross margins margin. increase. Yeah, so uh, gross margin for pallets will be slightly lower because we're targeting oh. like corporate, Right, so of course they're gonna. We know for sure they're gonna so press. So vo- it's a volume game. Yes, it's the volume game. Right. So let's wrap up on this. Uh, look at the future here. Um, first thing is, and these are two questions I generally ask all businesses when they come in. First one being, what is the most likely exit for this kind of business? You know, off the top of my head, I look at it. Okay, whether it's tangential to another, a few agriculture companies out there or other uh, consumer goods companies, in your mind and the mind of your co-founders, what do you? all think is the most likely kind of exit for this business? We are definitely planning for an IPO, right? So we have already put in place like certain measures, especially mm. in the audit, audit and accounting way. We've just started to make sure that we, we can go towards an IPO, right? Of course, the road to IPO, it's not that smooth as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah right. You need to have like lots of subsidiaries and all those. So all those are in place as well. We're planning it out. So our exit is definitely IPO. Um, I may be a bit too early, but are you looking abroad or here? Um, well, there's a mixed input in terms of yeah. that, right? So it really depends because um, if we we get more and more local VCs or maybe some government side kind of like funding and most likely the IPO will have to be local. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that will stop us from uh, international because I... I guess um, international market will be more open to this kind of green tech, like you said. Yeah, you know, there's a, there may be a valuation premium to go in yes. and listing abroad. But here, you know, if let's say, th- uh, if like something like Dana Impact comes into the picture, given Never the, the mandate, yeah. um, there could be a, also a mandate to list here, especially yes. with uh, budget 2024 around the corner. Yep. Who knows what kind of, uh, I think uh, capital gains tax is going to be something that's going to be much talked about there as well. That's true. Um, last one here. Um, 
key goals for Origo Eco in the next five years? So our goal, like I shared earlier, we would want to study various kinds of agriculture waste and byproduct and uplift different communities in different regions. That means we cannot have only one factory and always be in Malaysia, right? So we've got different agriculture waste in different countries, Right, for example, wheat waste in the western uh, western countries, right? Probably coconut uh, waste in the uh, other tropical countries. So we're going to set up factories in all these different regions. Why so? Because also the moving around logistic part of all these products, mm. right? I mean, the carbon footprint to move the rice straws from here to uh, to Europe is just too costly, too high. Right, So it would be good if we have another facility somewhere there where we can make use of the local agriculture waste, uplift the local community. So that, I would say, is the goal for us in the coming five years. So it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for your time. Likewise. Folks, I've been speaking with Su, Su Xiao Yan. She's the co-founder of Origo Eco, the makers of uh, currently rice straws, but they're looking at much, much more than that. Ultimately, they're turning ag- agricultural byproducts into compostable products and materials. I'm Roshan Kainasin. You've been listening to Open for Business. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Are you open for business? Register your company with BossBalay.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.